Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Well, our adventure today takes us to a fun destination that we have talked about before, but not from this side of it. And and for a lot of uh, younger folks listening, I think this will be a great podcast for you today as as we talk with somebody who's just blazing a trail in this industry, uh, and she's a big part of EAMC, and we're so excited to have her join us today. Uh, This is Samantha Marker. She is a social media manager for SoFi Stadium and Hollywood Park. Samantha, welcome to Adventures in Venue Land. Thanks so much for having me. You know, sorry, as, as people can hear, I'm a little bit under the weather today. So my good buddy, Paul Hooper's going to do some some heavy lifting here. But but we're so excited to finally finally have you on. We've been talking about this for a while. Yes, definitely. Super excited to see this side of things. So, Samantha, why don't you kind of give us a rundown of the building? As Dave mentioned, we we've talked to uh, some of your coworkers before. Some some of them we talked to before they were your coworkers. Uh, so there does seem to be this energy about, you know, that company where a lot of people in that greater area sort of uh, either shifted to working there or it's just it's become this big, massive beacon in in that greater L.A. market. Um, so maybe if you want to tell us about kind of what do you do, like what's your day to day you know, look like? Sure, absolutely. So as you mentioned, it's definitely a place where there's a lot of excitement, um, big energy, lots of opportunity. And it's it's a very large campus with a lot going on at all times. So I specifically oversee the social for all of our social platforms for our four different accounts, which includes SoFi Stadium and Hollywood Park, uh, YouTube Theater, and our very own Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Seafull, which is our own collegiate bowl game. Um, that features the number one Mountain West team and the number five Pac-12 team. Um, So essentially, yeah, overseeing the many different social channels, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, for all the different accounts for those four different larger umbrellas. That sounds like such an easy task. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot lot to juggle. Yeah. As someone who has managed social accounts and managed people that manage social accounts, it is it is a tough thing to juggle all of it and especially the more you take on the harder it becomes i guess that's one curious thing i would ask you is uh what kind of makes a social platform elevate to the level that you think it's worth investing time into because i think that's always the challenge for social media managers is you know, you've obviously got your what I like to call the uh, what is it the the trifecta of um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. You know, they've always been around. They're huge. They're the big platforms. But you do have Snapchat. You do have TikTok. You do have all these other services. And some of them do pick up a lot of steam. And sometimes they fizzle out quickly. And you know, we only have so many hours in the day. So what do you kind of look for when you're looking at those platforms that maybe indicates that it might be worth investing time into? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think 
with social media, there's always new things coming out. You know, when TikTok came around, I was kind of hesitant to first myself to, you know, to get on the platform and it took a little convincing from one of my friends to be like, Hey, like, this is cool. Like, I'm, you know, this isn't just another vine situation that's going to come and go. This is something that's actually here to stay. And I will tell you, I think the TikTok algorithm, they know me very well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't been on TikTok, go, go find yourself some time to, to sit through the hours worth, it will bring you in. But I think really what's cool about trying new platforms is kind of staying relevant and trying things out. Like with social media, that's, that's the fun part of it is being able to, you know, try things out and some things are going to work and some things aren't going to work. But I think in order to stay relevant and have your brand stay on top, you have to try these things and you have to, you know, following the trends and, and going along with that. And I think that's something that besides, you know, the trifecta of Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, there are certain things that are going to work on certain platforms that aren't going to work on others. You know, Snapchat was fun for a while, but like, you know, I think that definitely from a brand perspective, isn't as strong as something, you know, that consumers, everyday consumers use on a day-to-day basis, right? They send things back and forth to the friends. Um, but you realize that that's just something that doesn't necessarily work um, from a business perspective, but I definitely, when that platform first came out, like we tried it out, um, you know, my previous employer and, um, it's just something that you just got to keep innovating and trying. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because I think so many of us invested, you know, some good time into figuring out Snapchat and then trying it out and, 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 you know, it was fun. And, and we did the Snapchat, uh, the specs, like one of my interns convinced me. We get, you got to get the specs, man. This is, you know, they're these glasses right. that record. And so we, you know, we bought those and, you know, used them for a week and then put them in a, in a box forever. Um, <laughs> but now, now with TikTok, I'm curious what you see, because I see, I see some venues dabbling in TikTok, but I don't often see a lot of views on their, on their content and I don't necessarily see, you know, conversions there. So right now I'm curious and obviously you know, you're kind of in that, that honeymoon period with the stadium. So it's a, it's a great time to kind of experiment with, with that. But I'm curious if, if, if you've seen anybody having success with it or is it just still just something fun that that we're kind of trying? I mean, at the moment, it's more just something fun. We're trying out. Like it really isn't good. So I'm not doing anything wrong. That's what I wanted to make sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. (laughs) I try, I try, I'm trying. (laughs) I think it's mostly just fun at this point. I think you know, to stay relevant, you got to try these things out. And, you know, I've even, I follow some other people and I've seen what they posted on their venues and, you know, they're posting when like the tour gets announced and they're using, you know, their, their own employees to do a little video on it. And I think that's creativity is awesome. Yeah. And it gives, it gives a venue a humanizing element. Um, whereas maybe for the other platforms, we're just putting out, Hey, shows announced shows on sale, like more like kind of just our messaging that we want and kind of our goal of selling tickets. Like those are what those other platforms can be used more so far, but for TikTok, I think there's a little bit more flexibility and just, and, and overall it's fun. Like, you know, I think it's a big awareness piece. One thing like, you know, most recently we did a TikTok um, for April fool's day, which was a lot of fun and it was silly. And again, content that doesn't really serve a business purpose other than putting a human element to the stadium. And so definitely trying to dabble more and, you know, but TikTok. What'd you, guys, what'd you guys do? I want to hear what it is. <laughs> so we took a bunch of post-its and sticky noted someone's car. So that was, <laughs> that took a lot of time, but that was, you know, a lot of fun. 
And then we did a plate of brown construction paper ease, get it brownies in the kitchen for people to get excited for. But really it was just part, you know, paper, <laughs> construction paper ease. I think you bring up a, a good point about getting in early on platforms though. And I think, you know, there is sometimes where people are playing the waiting game of, you know, is this worth investing time into? And if you get caught playing that waiting game a little too long, sometimes you're behind the curve and, you know, when it is time to like, Oh crap, everyone should be on this platform. People have already kind of developed their audiences and it's really hard to get rolling initially. Whereas, you know, there's perfect examples and, uh, you know, I had some success off this myself when I was uh, working on the arena side, where if you do see a platform and you're able to jump in really early, sometimes you're hitting it right at that peak when everyone is super engaged and you can ride the wave and your numbers will boost dramatically. Whereas if you try to climb up slower later on, it's a lot harder. And, and so I think there is value to be put on on taking risks early and at least exploring things you know it's not necessarily dedicating an entire person or intern to saying okay your job is tiktok but okay maybe we try a tiktok see how the views do it you do you know try another one you know in a month or something you know i think you don't have to allocate a lot of resources to dip your toe in the deep end right and i think i think the biggest challenge with something like tiktok is making sure you're also staying relevant in the moment, right? So there's these trends that come and go that are here for maybe only a couple of weeks and then they're out. So if you don't engage on that in that moment, you've missed the mark. And at that point, it's not like, it's kind of like, it's almost embarrassing. Like, don't do it anymore. <laughs> like you missed right. it. So it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, as you're presenting ideas to maybe your higher ups, they might not understand completely if they're not on the platform themselves. So I think that's definitely sure. a challenge, but it's, yeah, that's that's the tricky part with TikTok is, you know, right now everybody's dancing to the Lizzo song, but does that Lizzo song actually make sense for us as a venue? Probably not. Maybe if we had Lizzo coming, sure, that would be great. You know, that's that's kind of sort of the thing. So, yeah, just making sure that you're staying relevant at the moment that a trend is is popular. This is why you haven't gone viral, Dave. It's because you need to be on the cutting edge of doing the TikTok dances. Dave Rattleberger, TikTok celebrity, you know, but you got to you got to be on. We need you to do the Lizzo right now. The Lizzo. Yeah. Dave, do you have a TikTok? My money don't jiggle. It folds. How about that one? I can do that one. (laughs) That one's great. (laughs) One of the easier dances, right? It's one of the dances I could probably pull off, but I will not. (laughs) For the sake of everyone, yes. I'll make sure to go follow you, Dave. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) All right, so I'm sure you know TV advertising has evolved quite a bit over the last few years. Well over 60% of Americans are now streaming their television content, and that percentage, it's growing daily. A good advertising campaign includes reaching as many eyeballs as possible, but a great campaign includes reaching the right eyeballs at the right time. Over the Top Marketing specializes in OTT and CTV advertising in the live event industry. By utilizing millions of targeting segments, they're able
able to serve your commercial to the right people at the right time. They have access to over 90% of the inventory across all streaming services. It's simple. You select the geography and the demographic information of your campaign, and Over the Top does the rest. Over the Top Marketing is already a trusted source to several EAMC members. Head to www.ottliveevents.com to learn how easy it is to get started with no minimums, no long-term contracts, no setup, and no hidden fees. That's www.ottliveevents.com, ottliveevents.com, or give them a call at 888-212-8714. Take your advertising over the top. Samantha, uh, with the venue itself, I mean, what are some of your favorite aspects or the venues, I should say, what are some of your favorite aspects of working at the building? I mean, I think when you do manage social media, you have to naturally be really dialed into like visuals, right? And really that is such a great opportunity to bolster the brand of a, of a building. And, you know, it's great content for Instagram. And so, I mean, I think anyone, when they see SoFi, we're looking at your virtual background right now. And it's like, it's a work of art. Like the whole building is like- It's a dumb- beautiful. <laughs> It's a dumb, you're right, exactly. Uh, but, no, it is, it's amazing. It is absolutely- It is amazing, like, yeah. I mean, total venue like, envy artwork everywhere it's gorgeous i saw a picture the other day someone posted and it's like oh that metal like when you zoom in on it it is extremely detailed i mean it's it's a work of art so it's got to be a little bit of a dream when you're when you're developing branding and you know posting on social because you can just find all these amazing angles and use these beautiful photos like the one that i'm looking at right now that is something that's truly unique about our building is so many people haven't been yet to SoFi Stadium. And so when they come for the first time, it is almost breathtaking. It's it's a beautiful venue. And to your point, yeah, like there's texture everywhere. And I think that was definitely something that was very thoroughly thought out about when it was in this, you know, construction period. But I think what's cool is because it's new, being able to, you know, it's still new to this point, to this day, being able to get you know, stuff that people haven't seen. And, you know, we're still in the development stage. Like when Hollywood Park is fully built out, like that's going to be so crazy. And we're going to have so much cool content to post. Like the people that, you know, they haven't had the opportunity to see yet. So it's kind of like being able to like break news in a way for the first time and being sure. able to like, like break the story of like, hey, like we're opening up and here's our, you know, I was here for the, I had started right before YouTube theater had opened up. Um, and so being able to like be there for the very, very first event was something, you know, cool to be able to like showcase and really highlight the venue and like, be like, this is our story, you know? And I think probably there are more eyes on us that night because even, you know, for YouTube theater, being able to be there, um, while that story was unfolding is great. Or when we had the first football game with fans in the building, like it's that same, it's that same right. idea of people excited to see what we have to offer. Um, and being able to showcase that and tell that story through social media, through the social media lens is, is pretty cool. And it really is the whole area around the stadium and the venues as well. I mean, just like the water element and, you know, oh, yeah. I, I was watching like when they were previewing the Super Bowl and they would cut in and have the, 
little pop-up, you know, whatever ESPN or, or, you know, whatever desk. And they've got this beautiful picturesque background where there's this lake and there's the venue in the background and there's this lighting and there's, you know, the giant digital screen. So, I mean, it, it's sort of the entire package and not just the venue, you know, in a concrete jungle, it's just gorgeous all around it. Right. And when you walk in and you see that infinity screen for the first time or infinity screen presented by Samsung, it's, it's, it's almost, it is, it is breathtaking. Presented by Samsung. <laughs> presented by Samsung. So you got to say it. Just like I said, Jimmy Kimmel, Ellie Bowl, presented by Stiefel. <laughs> She's got it programmed. Um, yeah, it really is. Samantha, I know that, you know, a lot of folks in this industry do know, and we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but, but give us the brief overview of, you know, what is the YouTube theater versus Hollywood Park uh, what it, and what it's going to be, and you know, and and SoFi Stadium for the for the person who's the, you know maybe they're not as uh, as uh, informed. Sure. So um, SoFi Stadium obviously is our is our stadium. It's our largest uh, venue on the property. The YouTube Theater is our six thousand capacity theater, um, and Hollywood Park is our is our retail district that is set to open up next year. Um, it's going to have different retailers, um, restaurants all this wow. stuff that's yet to come, residential spaces. So it's really like a campus within a campus in itself over there. Um, you know, you're going to be able to come to an event and before the event, go get a bite to eat, go, you know, do whatever you want. Like there's going to be, the, the options are, are limitless. But yeah, different Inglewood businesses have spaces in Hollywood Park and it's really it's cool. exciting to see. Yeah. And you said residential. So, I mean, I think you could move in there. You could just, you know, roll out of bed, walk into work, you need to do some <laughs> exercising. On, you can go swim some laps in the lake, you know, yeah. it's yeah. got everything. You, know, you want to live right where you work, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, Samantha, uh, take us back. I think one of the things we love uh, kind of digging into on the podcast is what was that initial spark that brought people into the industry, made them fall in love with it? How did they find out about it? You know, for some people that's, you know, literally them being seven or eight and going to a concert at an arena or going to see the circus or something. Other people kind of fell backwards into it and kind of found them way, their way into it through an internship or something. What was that like for you? Did you grow up kind of going to live events a lot? Is it something you fell in love with? And then how did you kind of, you know, get into the very beginnings of your career? Totally. So my story is probably a little bit different than most. I think I, I definitely went to concerts my entire life. My parents exposed me to music from, you know, a very, very young age, you know, and, and before I was even exposed to the industry, I had the opportunity, like, you know, my dad was involved in a startup company, ice cream company, actually as a side project, not his main job. Um, he's an attorney in, in his real everyday life. But I had the opportunity to join him, join along with him for some of the special events that he did. Um, he essentially brought this ice cream company, which was like a startup to the United States. Um, so I had the opportunity with him to go to different red carpets, movie premieres, golf tournaments. And for me, that was always very fun and exciting. I love sure. being able to walk on a red carpet and like walk right up to the different celebrities. And, you know, I think that's why I have no shame <laughs> today to be able to just walk right up to someone and get a shout out if we need it for social. Like, that doesn't, that's not scary. That, you know, they're just normal people. Right. Yeah. Um, I grew up going to different like music festivals. Um, and I think I remember standing, you know, I would go to Coachella and stagecoach and I remember going, you know, 
thinking to myself, one day I wanted to work and do this behind the scenes. And looking back through my college years, you know, I went to the University of Oregon um, and we'd have, I was like always at the campus recruitment events, always at the, at the career fairs, always just trying to get information because I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, there were a lot of insurance companies, different re- large retailers, financial institutions. But then I realized like going through that process that that wasn't necessarily the path for me because what I had in front of me wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to pursue. These were the opportunities that were present at the moment, like in school. So, you know, it was just one of those things where I think I realized, Hey, like this is, I mean, frankly, it was kind of boring. I was like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, um, I did have an internship, um, for an insurance brokerage firm in Orange County, actually, this was like junior year of college, I believe. And my favorite part of the job was actually not doing any cold calls or working in the office. My favorite part of the job was when they brought me on the tour of Honda center because they had just gotten that new account. They did the insurance for uh, the Anaheim Ducks. So that's kind of where it clicked for me that, you know, I'm like, hey, I like going into the press box. I like going backstage to the locker rooms. Like that was cool for me. And as opposed to like, you know, sitting in the office, making cold calls to people hanging up on me. I mean, I don't even have my insurance license, probably shouldn't even be selling, you know, or trying to to make these connections for for the actual account managers. But it was kind of like, a moment where I realized it in that moment, but didn't actually realize that's what I wanted to do. Again, I think it, it clicked, like it kind of all came together, you know, knowing that I wanted to work behind the scenes and, you know, going on a festival and, you know, I'm like, okay, Hey, like that's something that's interesting to me or being in at Honda center and realizing, Hey, this is the best part of this job right now was being here. So I think it was right after I, or actually a couple months before graduating college, I was like, yep, this is the industry I want to work in. Shout out to uh, Honda Center, former guests, Kim Badir and Megan Beck. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they're, they're the reason, they're the reason. Basically, you owe your entire career to them, no big deal. Or I guess they weren't there when you went there, but that building. <laughs> there we go, yeah. And then, you know, I graduated I graduated college in, in June 2014. And by July 2014, I was employed with my very first employer, Nederlander Concerts. And that was like a beautiful story. Like that's, I mean, I... When I think about like who I owe my career to, it's absolutely two more of our past uh, AIB sure. guests, Cassie Zebish, well now Cassie Shinley, um, and Vanessa Cromer. Um, so I went yeah. after AEG um, because I knew Cassie at the time was a communications manager for you know AEG corporate, and I basically like said to her, "Hey, look, I graduate in a couple of months," and she, my grandma is best friends with her godmother. So there was that tie-in, you know, she gave me her contact info. I reached out to Cassie. I was like, Hey, you know, you don't know me, but I want to work for you for free. And she's like, well, you know, we don't do internships, but she'd keep my resume. And, you know, normally the story with that is people say, Oh, you know, I'll pass on your resume, you know, but they, nothing ever happens of that. And then a couple of weeks later, I graduated college and I moved back down to Los Angeles where I'm born and raised. And next thing I know, Vanessa Cromer is reaching out to me being like, Hey, I have an open position, marketing publicity uh, assistant position, if you'd like to come in for an interview. And I was like, oh my God, like, is this happening? And yeah, the rest is history from there. I mean, I think the first I heard of you was when we were going to be doing the EAMC conference in LA, which I'm trying to remember which year that was, maybe 2015. 2015? Yeah. Okay, wow. Well, Taking it back. Surprised I remember that. Yeah. Uh, 
And I remember, uh, as anyone who has hosted the conference knows, in their city, there's a lot of lifts on the local crew, you know, just because they're the experts in the market, just like, as we all know, when working with tours and stuff like that. So Vanessa and other LA people were, you know, big, huge resources. And they're like, okay, we need help with this. We need help with this. And she brought up your name and she said, I've got this awesome person, Samantha. She said, she'll be able to help. She's going to be at the conference. She's going to do that. She's going to do that. And we're like, okay, okay, cool. Like, and we're kind of <laughs> like, you know, if she's cool with Vanessa or if Vanessa's cool with her, then she's got to be pretty good. Cause you know, Vanessa knows her shit and everyone, everyone trusts her opinion. So so we get there and then sure enough, you were like there, like, give me something to do. I'm ready to go do it. And you basically become this like almost like conference runner. Like at one point you went and picked up maybe cupcakes or a birthday cake for like some of the uh, planning committee members or something like it I was did. just like. Like, we're like, what's going on here? And Vanessa's like, oh, I've got Samantha on it. She's going and picking it. And we're like, what? Like, and then you come in with it. So it was like the first impression was you kind of like, you know, you were, you were hitting the ground running. And then obviously you got to experience the conference and uh, almost like a, as a pseudo planning committee member before actually joining the planning committee. But, you know, what was that first experience like with that conference, you know, before you really had jumped into it? Yeah. I mean, look, like I've always said, like, I'm kind of of the mentality of, you know, your, your boss treats you right. Like you're going to treat them right. And, you know, I, Vanessa was someone that I wanted to work really, really hard for, you know, and, and, and Jamie as well. My, I had, you know, two bosses at Nederlander concerts and, you know, they were so great to work with, but specifically, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, Vanessa needs something. Sure. I'm there. I got you, you know? And it was really cool because I was almost like prideful because at the time she was also president of the conference. So I was like, yeah, yeah. that's my boss. She's president. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it was like, that was kind of like, oh yeah, like my way in. Like, yeah, you might not know me. I'm just a little marketing assistant, but hey, my boss is president. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Um, so that obviously your gig at Nederlander then led to your time at uh AEG and Staples and Microsoft Theater and LA Live and all of that fun stuff and and the great crew there. You know how did how did that evolve and you know what changed with your role there? Right. So definitely heading over to AG. Um, I worked as the communications and social media manager for Staples Center now Crypto.com Arena and Microsoft Theater. And are you used to that yet? Can you still refer to it? are the are, how are, are the locals calling crypto yet? It's so funny because I think. I mean, like the PR side of my brain is like, well, Kara Vanderhoek would want me to say crypto.com. But for myself, <laughs> I'm like, tell all my friends and family, I'm like, yeah, Staples Center, you know, yeah, but yeah, I definitely yeah. try to, you know, when I reference it out in the world, I try to, you know, hey, it's crypto. Do the right thing. Do the right yep. thing. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I, and, but it's funny because during my time, since I was there during when it was Staples Center, like, you know, even talking about it, I'm like, yeah, when I worked at Staples Center, because it, it wasn't crypto.com then. Right, right. That's a little bit of a weird situation. We always, we, we all have that challenge when naming rights change to your building. What do you put on your resume? Yeah. Yeah. That's always a good one, but I didn't, didn't mean to distract you, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> no, good. all good. Yeah. But that was, that was kind of a moment where I really got to like dive full force in my career. I, you know, I think it, it, it definitely took my career to the next level, this position here. And I got to work on major events um, and, and, you know, the lead for many of the, 
uh, different award shows that we had, including the Emmys, the BET American Music Awards. Like we had so many great award shows and Microsoft Theater being able to kind of own and lead that as well as really dive more into, you know, owning different press events that we had, you know, right before I left, one of my, one of my biggest accomplishments was being able to host our um, welcome back fans press conference, basically where we, you know, this was the first time we were having fans back in the building. Um, and so it involved a press conference with two different promoters, two different venues, because it was both crypto.com and Microsoft theater. So the different shows that we had to welcome back fans for the first time happened to be there the very same night. Both shows were, um, I don't remember the date, but side by side. And so I was able to kind of, you know, do this giant press event. We invited, we invited all the local media and, and there was a lot of people that came, a lot of media that were in attendance. And so that was a big highlight for me being able to put on a press event at two different venues, two different promoters. And I'm not sure, like, I don't know if that's ever been done before. So that was a huge accomplishment for me. Um, definitely, you know, something that like, I cherish and I'm very grateful I had that opportunity um, to be able to to learn and, and do. So there was a lot of uh, growth within my time at AG and I'm forever grateful for that um, because I think it definitely propelled me to, you know, my current position. Um, without that, you know, I don't think I would have gotten to where I am. I think it's really interesting that you have had this opportunity to work on so many award shows, as you mentioned, you know, that's something that rarely people at other venues get to dip their toe into um not to use that analogy again but but you know it is something that's kind of rare you know people will get ncaa tournaments or they'll get some other kind of larger scale televised events but it's very you know maybe once every five years it feels like you know la it's like every other weekend we've got another award show and we're on national television and we're on mtv and we're on you know it's like it's there's a lot of uh profile to that and a lot of big celebrities in the building and it's got to be a different beast but also i'm sure it's something too that once you do a bunch of them you sort of have this almost like machine in your mind like here's the here's the rhythm here's how we cover it this is the flow of events and stuff but you know, talk, I guess, a little bit about that. What, you know, what, how does that flow go? Like, how do you cover a major, you know, major televised events? Like, is, is it a little chaotic and is that part of just sort of what you expect? Or do you have this kind of flow of, you know, using videographers and using photographers and having a bunch of interns, you know, what, what's your kind of you know recipe for success on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually, you you bring up one point that I just wanted to say real fast. Like, you know, you said like every other weekend in LA, it feels like there's like a new award show. There's a new major event. And, it you know, very often I'd get a call from my grandma. Hey, are you working the Oscars? Just because she thinks I work every single award show that happens right. to be handled. Like, no, grandma, like that's not at my building, <laughs> you know, right. but it, it's, it's so funny because they, she just like doesn't know. She's like, oh, yeah, you work award shows. But no, I think I think all these events are very different, right? Like probably more so we have a cadence. I mean, we did at that, at, at that point, you know, like it was kind of like you do one and you're like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. You know, we'd have a videographer on the red carpet. I assist is like talent wrangling to get them to go talk to our camera guy, you know, and having a host to be able to, you know, turn or to turn a video around, you know, that we kind of could use as like a little recap of the day, but definitely like preparing for those, you know, it it definitely takes a lot of work. You want to know how many times 
you know, the performers have been there and have they been on our stage before? Can you make a tie? Like that's, that was always something that I definitely strove to do is to make sure I knew like if we had X artist who's been, you know, five time nominated for artists of the year this year, you know, and knowing, Hey, they've been at Microsoft theater this many times, um, being able to tie that into a social caption. So kind of like doing all this prep work where you can kind of list out, um, the different facts and ties into the building, or if it's their very, very first time, you know, maybe it's a newer artist. So that was always something like I would spend quite a bit of time just doing some research and going through back through our top performers list to, to figure out and make note of. Um, but then, you know, working events like here currently working the Jimmy Kimali bowl presented by Seafold, like there's a lot that goes into that because not only is it, you know, what you have leading up to the event, right. So like Right. working around the year-round content surrounding the NFL draft, spring games, pro days, media days, like getting all that content and being present for the start of college football week. But then during the season, we're also staying active. And then after Selection Sunday, it's having a plan for when the teams are announced, what's the plan there, you know, in addition right. to the event week content and then the game day content. So some of these larger events, there's a lot that goes into that I don't think, you know, necessarily sometimes people realize for during college football week, we'll put out on social the different schedules of the week, as well as the scoreboards. So highlighting the game scores of that week um, relating to our Pac-12 and Mountain West teams. And then we'll do around week six or seven, highlighting projections, who's projected to be in the bowl game. And so there's just, there's a lot that goes into the lead up of the event, as well as the event week content itself. Um, I know that it was cool because, you know, so this is, this past year was our first year we had the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl presented by Seafull. Um, so there was a lot of learning uh, involved in that process. Um, but during the event week, you know, I was with the, the Pac-12 team and my coworker was with the Mountain West team. And we basically just followed the team everywhere they went. So sure. I went to them with practice, you know, and then I went to them when they had a day at Universal Studios. I was with them at Universal Studios. When they went to Jimmy Kimmel Live, I was with them at Jimmy Kimmel Live, like doing all these things with them to just get social content. And, you know, now it's it's helped prepare me for, okay, this is what's going to happen for next year. This is the content right. I want to get. So I definitely think last year was a learning year, um, but I think we we definitely killed it on social in that regard. I think, you know, there was, it was... It was fun to just kind of explore, but you know, that's, that's also the beauty of social is just capturing content in the moment sometimes. Um, Cause you can only plan so much sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And I think, I think you can do your research or you can try to look up, you know, what's the Instagram handle for this celebrity that I know we're going to post a photo of, but at the end of the day, there's only so much prep you can do and you have to also be able to react and take advantage of something that you were not expecting and not stay so regimented that you're like, Oh my gosh, that's not on the social calendar. We shouldn't post that. So right. I think that's a good point. Well, one thing I want to ask you about is obviously you all hosted the Super Bowl there. Yes. And I don't know how much you were actually involved in the event, but you got to attend it, which I is did. awesome. <laughs> and then at one point, and this is how uh, great a friend that Samantha is, uh, I, I FaceTimed with her and she accepted it. And she showed me the view from her seats and we got to see the actual like bowl and it was crazy. And then you, you, of course, and all your her during the Super Bowl. <laughs> he did. Her during the Super Bowl. <laughs> but uh, 
But Dave's shaking his head like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? This is embarrassing. Uh, let, her, let her enjoy the game. But but the um, also it was like you and your coworkers posted just the coolest photos post game because, of course, the home team won, which made it extra special. And right. then there's like a photo that Samantha sends me of her and in, inside one of the Kendrick Lamar boxes from the halftime show. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, what is this? That's just, <laughs> it just seemed like it was like the craziest, amazing, most amazing uh, thing to be involved in. And maybe it was, maybe it was even more fun if you weren't involved in it because then you got to just enjoy it and not have to worry about all the work side of it. Right. So actually, you know, funny enough. So this is one event where I, I mean, it was the ultimate, like work perk to be able to attend an event that I probably will never have another opportunity in my life to attend. Like that was, it was so special and, you know, okay. So, you know, we got to go to the game and then, but it was just amplified by getting to go on the field after. And it was just so cool walking through like all the confetti, like our, you know, our entire team was down there and it was just, it was so great. But yes, I was, I sent Paul a picture of me inside the Dre Day box, which was, which was a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think, you know, the, the interesting thing about that was that was one event where I actually got to enjoy and not work. I was there. Those are so special. Those are special days. They are very cherished. Right. So I was able just to enjoy it. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. I think leading up to it, we definitely did more on social, like how can we amplify some of the NFL initiatives? What unique content can we create that we have access to as the host venue being mindful of any of the NFL restrictions or oftentimes like, you know, we'd follow their lead with any of their announcements. Um, But the challenge obviously is finding content that's unique to us on the venue side as well as probably the obvious challenge of staying neutral on social for an event where sure. one of our home teams was in the game. Like that right. is right. super hard, right? Cause you know, you don't want to upset anyone, but definitely like, I think for social, our focus was more so on less on the teams and more focused on how can we incorporate like, Hey, we have this big, huge game at our venue. And so that yeah. was kind of more so the messaging is more along the lines of like Super Bowl LBI is coming to SoFi stadium. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was, but that was cool. And so being able to enjoy the game and really just having, having those memories is something that, yeah, I'll always carry with me. All right. So I'm sure, you know, TV advertising has evolved quite a bit over the last few years. Well, over 60% of Americans are now streaming their television content and that percentage it's growing daily. A good advertising campaign includes reaching as many eyeballs as possible, but a great campaign includes reaching the right eyeballs at the right time. Over the top marketing specializes in OTT and CTV advertising in the live event industry by utilizing millions of targeting segments. They're able to serve your commercial to the right people at the right time. They have access to over 90% of the inventory across all streaming services. It's simple. You select the geography and the demographic information of your campaign, and Over the Top does the rest. Over the Top Marketing is already a trusted source to several EAMC members. Head to www.ottliveevents.com to learn how easy it is to get started with no minimums, no long-term contracts, no setup, and no hidden fees. That's www.ottliveevents.com, ottliveevents.com, or give them a call at 888-212-8714. Take your advertising over the top.
one thing we haven't hit on yet, Samantha, although we've alluded to it a little bit, is you're on the EAMC planning committee, which is your timing for that could not have been more interesting. You, as well as Megan, who's been on the show and helps with the podcast, both in addition to some other people joined the committee right uh, in 2019, following 2019 conference. And we were preparing and we did a planning meeting to have a conference in 2020. And then, you know, yada, yada, yada. And here we are, we're having that conference in 2022. But, you know, what, what's that been like, I guess, getting involved in the EAMC side? And, you know, it's, it's got to be a little interesting for you because you haven't really had a normal prep year, but no one's had a normal past couple of years. So you, you know, you and Megan and so many other people on our social EAMC team were so integral throughout the pandemic when we were doing these EAMC at home sessions and EAMC virtual conference and stuff like that, because, and I, I think you all maybe didn't really know any different. Like that was all that you worked on with the conference was all this virtual stuff. So now we're prepping for an in-person and it's gotta be kind of special to see that actually come to fruition. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, I had the most fun. I mean, going out to Minneapolis and and being there for the planning committee meetings in 2019 was very exciting. And like, this is, you know, it was, I loved being a part of the group. I loved, you know, Dave, thank you for, for welcoming me to that committee. And I remember like, you know, I'm like, you're like, I have a position for you in sponsorship. And I was like, okay, I'll try it out. Probably won't be the best position for me, but like, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to give everything a shot. And That's what I started off with too. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right. And it was something that I tried really hard. And I was like, look, like, I don't know how much I can bring to the table, but I'm like, I'm going to try the best that I can. Um, and luckily during 2020, when we had our virtual conference, there was a really, really strong need, Paul, I think, to have more people on your team on the communication side. Yeah. So I was like, you know what, look, like, hey, like, this is where, this is where more so my bread and butter lie. Like, I'm going to, can I join your team? And you're like, yeah, come on board. So I think that was great. And I've been able to help out on social and, you know, obviously with anything related to adventures in venue land. And that's just been a lot of fun. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I always joke, it's like my little like side hustle, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, it, I think what's hard is like, I also started during a time when, I mean, obviously in 2019 at the beginning, when I joined the planning committee, um, you know, I had a full-time job, but I think during 2020, when things slow down a bit for me. I was, I started working part-time essentially, like my hours got cut and sure. I was considered technically like, I don't, it was, I had moved down from like salary to hourly. It was this whole big thing. And I, you know, I became basically like a 20 hour a week employee. Um, and so I had a lot of free time. So I was able to really dive into EAMC virtual, which was great. Yeah. And then, you know, now coming back into it, the full swing of things and, and having, you know, my full-time job here at SoFi Stadium in Holiday Park, it's definitely more of a challenge, but, you know, look, like I'm, I love EAMC. I love Ventures in Venueland. And, you know, I love the group of people that I get to work with, um, you know, you guys and, and Paul, every, almost, I feel like we talk all the, all the time. <laughs> right. We're talking every single day, especially now leading up to EAMC this year. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's definitely something that I, you know, I love and I love spending my free time with you guys. <laughs> Well, we are we are very appreciative of that, and and Samantha, you know, you you've been a you've been a great part of Adventures in Venueland and helping us, you know, share stories with people. It's been great to see some of the response globally, you know, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and again, you know, it, it's just uh, it, it's really neat to see that 
people are listening and some people that Paul and I have heard from, you know, that say, you know, oh, this really helped me break into the industry or this is helping me kind of not feel like I'm out there alone on an island. Uh, uh, so we really appreciate your help there. But I, I wonder, you know, as we begin to wrap things up today, you know, there's somebody listening to the podcast today and they have yet to even get that first internship. Um, what advice do you have for that person about the the best way to get into the industry and then to, you know, succeed within the industry? Network and perseverance, I think is huge. Like keep trying. I remember, you know, when I had first reached out to Cassie, Cassie, I'm going to sell you out here for a minute. <laughs> when I first reached out to her, she kind of, you know, she was like, yeah, like, I'd love to meet up with you. Um, you know, this is a weekend I had flown home from college and I actually happened to be flying home the next weekend as well. So she blew me off that first weekend. And I said, you know what? No worries. I'm actually going to be here next weekend. Can I meet up with you then? And I think she was like, dang, this girl, like, she's like coming after me. So she ended up meeting <laughs> up with me and we were actually sitting outside by the pool, just kind of hanging out. This was that stagecoach weekend. And I was like, oh God, you know, like I was like, super excited, but I'm like, oh, I thought, you know, I'll meet up with her at the festival. Didn't think I'd be meeting up with her at her house. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what, do I even have like any sort of professional clothes with me that makes, you know, I'm going to talk to someone that I potentially would love to work for, you know? Right. Um, but I think perseverance is huge. And then obviously like network, network, network. That's, you know, one of my favorite parts about this industry is I think there's so many great people you can learn from um, and opportunities like EAMC give you the opportunity to meet new people and to, you know, really, get to know people from all over different areas in the industry, promoters, different venues, things of that sort. So I think, um, yeah, those are, those are my two biggest pieces of advice is just keep, keep at it and, and be that almost persistent nudge because someone's going to take notice of that. Well, as we do tie things up, Samantha, I'm going to hit you with our fast five, which is five easy, simple, quick questions. <laughs> you know, just give us your immediate response, you know, uh, whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Uh, but what was your first concert that you attended? My first concert was Britney Spears again at Honda Center with the shot at Honda Center. Wow, <laughs> I was Honda nine Center, to what's ten. Up? Yeah, I was nine. 10 years old, some, somewhere around that age. Um, it was, I think the Oops, I Did It Again tour in 2001. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. What uh, is your favorite concert you've ever attended? I know this is a hard one because there's so many, but you know, what's your favorite? Uh, absolutely Garth Brooks, a stagecoach in 2018. Uh, Garth Brooks is one of my all-time favorite country artists. I'm a country music girl. Um, so being able to see him and I don't think he had ever, this was his first time ever at stagecoach and, you know, it was just, it was super special. I was very close and I got to basically like, I mean, I even like, we like gave each other little high fives at the end. So, or like during the show, excuse me, not at the end, but it was just, it was, it was such a special moment. And I was there, my grandma and I were watching it together um, and it was just, it was, it was a really cool show. Do you have a favorite beverage of choice? This could be an adult beverage or it could be a uh, non-adult beverage, uh, you know, something, some health drink. Uh, what's, what's your, what's your go-to? I mean, if anyone knows me, it's a terrible habit. I really need to break it. And I keep saying it all the time, but it's Diet Coke. <laughs> like I have one, you can't see because my virtual background, but I have Just one. Just for the taste week. of it, right? It's so bad. I need to stop. And like, I keep telling myself, you know, like this is the day I'm going to stop. Like I'm going to stop this next week. And it never happens. But I'm like a Diet Coke addict. 
Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. There's a lot of people that really like Diet Coke, so I think you're in good company there. I heard that. Hey, like, if you know, sure you know. Bill Gates is like obsessed with Diet Coke or something, and drinks like a ton of Diet Coke. So you know. Yeah, it's it's all about the McDonald's company. Diet Coke. Oh, it's got that extra carbonation, oh. right? Yeah. See, Dave knows. <laughs> Dave's a fellow addict. You guys can yeah. start a support group with each other. We should. EAMC DC addicts. <laughs> um, so what's a venue that you would love to visit that you haven't been able to yet? You know, that you haven't worked at, haven't gone to a concert at, but that's on your bucket list. Ooh, I think I would say Red Rocks Amphitheater. You know, I started off my career pretty much doing all the shows at the Greek theater. And so something, you know, similar in, in size outdoor environment would be super special. That was definitely like one of my favorite venues I've ever worked at. So being able to experience something similar, um, Red Rocks Amphitheater is definitely on my bucket list. So hope to get there soon. I'm sure you will. All right. Now, final question. What is your theme song? So, you know, we've got a televised show all about Samantha Marker. TV crews are following you around, you know, whatever genre you want of show. What is the theme song that plays at the beginning that tells the story of Samantha Marker? So obviously it's going to have to be a country song because, you know, it it just that makes sense, right? (laughs) Because you're from the country of Los Angeles. The country of Los Angeles, exactly. Um, would probably be the champion by Carrie Underwood because it's a it's a it's honestly a powerful song that resonates with me that I listen to oftentimes when I want to get pumped up for something or if I'm like gonna go work out and like I need some like motivation, like I listen to that song. I try to keep that champion mentality in my life every day. Um, but also my career, like, you know, and so it's like the lyrics, like I tell myself I'm the champion, you know, so definitely got to have the music to pump me up. Samantha, um, anything you want to plug, uh, where can people follow along with your, your adventures or, or any of the, any of the venues or uh, adventures? Oh gosh, what are my own handles? Gosh, I got to think about, I, I, you know, at, at Instagram, I'm Samantha underscore marker. It's pretty much my main platform that I live on for my, for my personal life. Um, and then for our other channels, if you want to follow us, um, you can follow us at, at SoFi Stadium, at YouTube Theater, at LA Bowl Game, at Hollywood Park CA. Lots going on. Tell the story of all of our different exciting events and what we have coming up. You can find us there. Well, thank you so much for the time today. Paul, thank you for all the heavy lifting. Uh, appreciate you jumping into there. And uh, uh, a big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest Booking and Brand Strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest Research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.